All right. Well, happy Father's Day. Our sermon today is entitled The Blessing. We're going to be in the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, in chapter 27. And we're going to look at verses 25 through 34 there. So take your Bibles and open them up, and you can follow along. We're not going to read all the verses at once, but we're going to reference all those verses at some point this morning. I don't know about you, but Father's Day for me is a complicated day. I have mixed emotions, I have conflicted memories, and Father's Day is a day when I have to choose to make deliberate decisions. I come from a broken family. The week after I graduated from 8th grade, got to go with a group of 8th graders and, and some teachers down to Mexico to a beach house and hung out at the beach, um, tr tried to learn how to surf. We got these big paddle boards and paddled out. There was a bay with an island out there. We weren't supposed to go on the other side of the islands, which means, you know, me and the other guy on the paddleboard had to go on the other side of the island. We got chased by the humongous jellyfish. So when we got back in and described to somebody who knew how big the head of that jellyfish was, he said the tentacles were probably 200 feet long. And it was one of those jellyfish that stings you, and, and um, I think it paralyzes you, and then, they, and then it wraps you up and takes its sweet time digesting you. So, so I was on the back of the paddleboard sitting, and he was sitting on the front, and we were paddling for all he was worth, and I was hitting that jellyfish in the head. Um, so memorable time, you know, from the Arizona desert to lay on the beach for a week is amazing. First time I'd ever done that. First time I'd seen salt water. So come back from this awesome first week of summer after graduating eighth grade. And while I was gone, my dad had come home and said he didn't love my wife anymore. He loved somebody else. He didn't love his wife anymore, my mom. And he loved somebody else. And, and so the marriage was over. So the, you know, a few days later, he reconsidered. My parents spent a year or so trying to make it work, and and it was ugly. And the end result was that my parents were divorced uh, in in uh, my freshman year in high school. So awesome, thank thanks, Dad. I was promised his hunting rifle. That went to somebody else. I was promised his pickup truck. That went to somebody else. I could keep going, but lucky for you, it doesn't bother me, right? Is that like really obvious? So Father's Day is complicated. I have to choose very deliberately to be a blessing on Father's Day and to feel blessed on Father's Day. So. Why, one of the reasons that is, is because God reveals himself to us in the Bible as our Heavenly Father. So, my dad hasn't made it automatic for me to feel blessed with positive feelings about a father figure, right? i, I got to choose this. And I have discovered that God, my Heavenly Father, loves me, that he's for me, that he is faithful and true. And by faith in Jesus Christ, I am made right with him, and I have a fatherly relationship that is perfect on his end. All day, every day, it's perfect all the rest of my life, and it's perfect for eternity. So, I want to encourage you 
let's think together about seeking a father's blessing. I want us to think about that together because I know that that struggles over relationships with dad are common. That there are a lucky few of us that have nothing but great memories about our earthly father, about dad. But many of us, I think most of us, we struggle with that relationship and, and it enters into our observation of Father's Day. Now, Father's Day is not a, a biblical or Christian holiday, but we celebrate it on a weekend. And um, it's okay to look to the Bible um, to come to understand fatherhood correctly. So, like me, many of you, the first thought that comes to mind about your dad is not blessing, right? It could be regret, it could be anger, it could be pain, it could be an unfulfilled longing for approval and acceptance. And perhaps you also don't automatically put the words blessing and father together. Maybe for you too, God reveals himself definitely for you too. God reveals himself in the Bible as your heavenly father. And so let's wrap our minds around that. I want to invite you to take a journey with me this morning and discover that for you too, your heavenly father loves you. Your heavenly father is for you. Your heavenly father is faithful and true. And by faith in Jesus Christ, you can be right with him. For now, for the rest of your life, for eternity. Let's talk about the blessing. I want you to turn now in your Bible to Genesis chapter 27. It's the story of Isaac bestowing his fatherly blessing on Jacob. Now, one of the reasons I chose this passage is because it is just chock full of family drama on the human level. Holy cow. There's competition between siblings. There's uh, differing agendas between husbands and wives. There's a covenantal blessing that is passed on, and there's deceit. I mean, sounds like Thanksgiving, right? Um, maybe it sounds like Father's Day. God still makes a way to his blessing and purpose in this family with all its dysfunction all the sin, all the things that shouldn't be going on that are going on in this family, our Heavenly Father still finds a way to bring His blessing. So, this is a real-world passage. And, and if you have those mixed feelings or conflicting feelings on Father's Day, you're not alone. It's in the Bible. God knows. God has addressed it. So, Isaac and Rebekah, husband and wife, have twin sons. Those two boys are nothing alike. They're, they're men now in this story. Esau is the eldest, the firstborn of the twins. He's an outdoorsman. and uh, He's a hairy man. He's got, got hairy arms. And back of his hands are hairy. He's an outdoorsman. He loves hunting. He loves fishing. He loves being out in the wild. He loves all things outdoors. Now, Jacob, his twin brother, the second-born, he was smooth-skinned, and he was more of a homebody. He stayed in camp 
around the tents mostly and spent a lot of his time with his mother, Rebecca. So we're looking at the Jewish father's blessing in this passage this morning. The Jewish father's blessing, it was a, it was a covenant, an inviolable passing of blessing from a father to a son, a formal passing on of the father's honor and authority to the oldest son. The firstborn son would someday assume leadership responsibilities over the family or the tribe even. And he would also, along with that authority, receive a double portion of his father's estate. So this was a covenant of relationship and it had far-reaching implications. And so this blessing is very important. So we're going to begin reading in Genesis chapter 27 in verse 2. This is Isaac speaking to his eldest son Esau. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I can give you my blessing before I die. So Isaac is old. He's along in years. He, he can sense that the time is not long, and he's going to do this, this covenant blessing, passing of authority from the father to the eldest son. And Esau is his eldest son, and so he sends Esau out to do what Isaac loved to do when he could, or what Esau loves to do, to go out and hunt wild game, to bring it in and prepare it, and then bring it to his father so his father could bless him. This covenantal, one-time blessing for the father passing authority and recognition on to his eldest son. So Esau leaves to hunt. While he's gone, Rebekah, Isaac's wife, seizes the opportunity to secure the blessing for Jacob, Esau's twin, but the second born, not the first born, because Jacob was her favorite. So she prepares tasty food, tells Jacob to put on Esau's best clothes, so Jacob dresses up in Esau's clothes, and to help fool blind old Isaac, she she puts goat skin on Jacob's hands and arms so they'll feel hairy. Because Esau's hairy and Jacob's smooth skin. Then she sends Jacob in with the food to ask for the blessing. Wow. Wow. Back in Genesis 27, verses 19 through 22, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of the game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him, and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So, Jacob, or Isaac is fooled now, okay? And the blessing is given by Isaac on Jacob. 
Genesis 27, verses 27 through 29. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So there it is, the covenantal blessing intended for the eldest son, but given to the second born. So, is it, is it okay here if we say family drama? Oh, my Clifford, family drama. Wow. This kind of makes me feel a little more normal, just saying. Not that I would want this to ever happen to anybody again, but it blesses me to know that stuff like this is in the Bible. God, you know, they're real world people that come to faith and, and live and are saved and spend eternity with God in heaven after having served him throughout their life here on earth. So after receiving his father's blessing, Isaac left. It worked. Him and Rebecca must have been happy. Or Jacob left. Okay, it worked. Him, Jacob and Rebecca must have been happy. And shortly after that, this occurred, Esau came in with the game that he had hunted and killed and prepared, just like Dad told us to do. And Esau was ready to receive his father's blessing. And here is Isaac's reaction, Genesis 27, verses 33 and 34. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him. And indeed, you will be blessed. He will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry, said to his father, bless me, bless me too, father. So, a lot going on there, hey? We're not going to unpack the dynamics of all the family relationships in the story today, but I want you to know that you can trace from this day to modern day today, Middle East, and still see the ramifications of this deceit and duplicity and blessing of the secondborn instead of the firstborn. It still plays out in history today. So we're not going to unpack all the family relationships in the story today, but I want to briefly make two statements on what we see here in the parents and in the children. Children both watch and listen carefully to their parents, and children are profoundly impacted by what they see and hear. Our children are free moral agents before God. We can influence them. We do influence them profoundly. But they make their own decisions, and they bear the consequences of their own decisions. And we cannot spend our lives shielding our children from the consequences of their choices as much as we would like to. So what we can do, and what I encourage you to do, is use your influence for good. Use your influence to honor God and to bless your children. And that's a great word for us today on Father's Day. So the Father's blessing. Let's focus in this story of 
not so much on all the family drama, but let's focus on the blessing that Isaac bestows on Jacob, this covenant blessing. We find that it contains four ingredients that should be in every home, being lived out by every father today. When these four ingredients are present, and when they're practiced consistently, our children grow up secure and confident and aware that they have a Heavenly Father in Heaven that loves them perfectly. So the first ingredient is a meaningful touch. Notice in Genesis 27, it's in verse 22 first, it says, Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him. And then in verse 26, Isaac says, Come here, my son, and kiss me. Almost every time a blessing is bestowed in Hebrew culture, it involves touching, the laying out of hands, a kiss, an embrace, touching. Um, something that conveys to the child love and acceptance. Jesus did it in, in the New Testament, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, when the children, he had the children brought to him, and he placed them on his knees, and he laid hands on them, and it says he blessed them. Children need to feel loved and accepted. Even before children can converse, talk with words, we can already communicate love and acceptance by appropriate touching and holding and cuddling. Right? Isn't it awesome when a child is young and small enough you can hold them in the cradle and hold them in your lap and, and, and stroke the, the hair if they have any? <laughs> you know? I mean, it's just a beautiful time. And every parent, every grandparent, every uncle and aunt grieves when, when they're too big to be in your lap anymore. It's just a, a beautiful thing. And, it, and it's very bonding and it's very powerful. And that includes being bonding and powerful for our children. Um, Jacob, in this story, he was 40 years old when Isaac touched and kissed him to convey the Father's blessing to him. So it, there, there are aspects of, of appropriate touch that don't end when a child becomes an adult. No matter the age, it's important to continue to communicate love, acceptance, and affection in some appropriate, meaningful touch to our children. Ingredient number two, a spoken message. So there's touch, now speech, a spoken message of affection and love. Listen as Isaac blesses his son. Genesis 27, verse 27. Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. Yesterday on Facebook, one of my friends in Nebraska, they've been waiting to get, they live out in the country on the edge of an alfalfa field. They've been waiting to get the alfalfa cut and, and the machine was broken, so it was delayed a few days. And so the machine got there yesterday and she put off on Facebook, there is no greater smell than fresh cut alfalfa. And, and uh, I tend to agree with that, except that she doesn't live here where we get to smell when, um, oh gosh, I just forgot, when the uh, sugar, beets. sugar beets are harvested. There's no smell like sugar beets as they're being harvested. I'm being sarcastic. 
If you want to know what sugar beets smell like, go to the, the plant in Wendell when they're processing the sugar beet harvest. It did. That smell permeates at least half of the cup. So, fresh cut alfalfa. That's true, man. So, um, to an outdoorsman like Isaac, who, who thought he was speaking to his eldest Esau, the smell of a field ready for harvest, or, or in, the, in the example I'm giving today, just harvest, just harvested, that's a great smell. Man, fresh cut alfalfa. I mean, it do, I mean, it's like a spiritual experience, right? It's not, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just hit, hit your nose and do that thing in there. Um, there's something deeply satisfying and meaningful that's buried in that beautiful scent. So it was a compliment that Isaac was giving his son, positively communicating his love and affection. You know, we can be so quick sometimes to criticize our children and make them acutely aware of every mistake. Why did you spill that? You're lazy. You're too much this. You're not enough that. And, and just lay down words of criticism on them. But you know what? Those words of criticism, they don't accomplish much except causing a child who needs a father to withdraw. There is a necessary time and place for constructive criticism. But it's more important to communicate love through your words and to communicate the matchless worth of that child in this world and in your life. Things like, I am so glad that God gave you to us. Father's Day is special because you're here. Words of communicate acceptance and love need to be spoken over and over again. Even when children stumble and fall, even when they're 40 years old. So don't wait until you think you're not going to be around anymore to speak blessing into the lives of your children. Ingredient number three, placing a high value. Look at what Isaac says in Genesis 27, verse 28. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. And so Isaac is speaking blessing from God onto his son. He's saying to his son, you're special, and God will give you the best he has to give. Oh, that we created a vision that our Father loves us and that he gives us his best. We are constantly being told that we should teach our children to have a good self-esteem, right? I think we could do so much better than that. We can teach our children to have a proper God-esteem and let their esteem come from their relationship with their Heavenly Father. You are so valuable that God came into our world and died on the cross for you. With words, that's not the only way to teach a high personal value based on God's love. We teach a child their high value by giving them time. Put the phone down. Put the game controller down. Turn the TV off. And give the child 
your full attention. Join in their wonder and delight at the simple things in life. A child has so many things to tell you. So look at them and listen. That communicates to God. You telling them you are more important to me than all this other stuff. You're telling them in your actions, I thank God you gave me to this. Whenever you have something to talk about, I'm here to listen to you. And the fourth ingredient, picturing a glorious future. Oh, that we lift our eyes high enough to see the future that God has for us. Isaac says to Jacob in Genesis 27, verse 29, May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So this father, Isaac, is helping his child, who turns out to be Jacob, to raise their sights and see that their future is bright. This is how a parent blesses their child. It says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. And, and I'm given to usually make a spiritual application there, like train them in the way they should go in Christian faith. And then when they're old, and I'm not there to influence them anymore, they won't turn away from Christ, but they'll continue to serve him. Um, but there's another application to be made with that. We're to help our children find their niche. We're to help our children discover who God made them to be and help set our children on a course to follow God to becoming who he created them to be. And that has very practical implications in this life as well as for eternity. God made each one of our children special. There's nobody else like each one of our children. So as they're growing up, help them discover their gifts and talents and what they're best suited to do because that's how God has created them. And that's who God has created them to be. So our job as fathers, as parents, is to counsel and guide them to become the kind of person God made them to be. And don't force them to be who you are. And that's a very real temptation. One of the best decisions Lucy and I made as parents was to help our children discover and pursue their passion. Kimmy wasn't even two years old yet. And we went to Southern California into the San Gabriel Mountains to Monrovia Falls. And it was a short hike that, that a two-year-old could do. And I had my son Richard in the backpack, and, and uh, he was pulling hair out of my head back there, just thoroughly enjoying the day. And so we took this short little hike to Monrovia Falls, and, and at the bottom of the falls, as the creek runs away, it's only like not even a foot deep, you know. So we kicked our shoes off, we're walking out in the water. It's just a beautiful day, and everything is just amazing to my daughter. Everything is just amazing. And um, this butterfly flies up, and it's flying around, and Kim is dancing with this butterfly, and, and, it, and, 
And it's like the butterflies responding to her. And, and so they dance around in this creek together for a couple minutes. And, the, and then the butterfly lands on her, you know. And she's just, oh, ah. It was just this amazing, beautiful, perfect moment. And, and I've never forgotten it. And it blesses me to think about it and to talk about it to this day. Well, well Kim, she just danced everywhere. So when did you start going to Eastside? It was in kindergarten. So kindergarten, we enrolled Kim in a, in a dance studio. And Lucy had dis- discovered this dance studio somehow and it ended up being a, a really good one. And so Kim spent her entire childhood dancing. Ballet, modern, and all those other kinds of dance that I don't know what their names are. <laughs> she did all that stuff. She danced for a couple different professional companies for a while, and then like five surgeries later, she doesn't dance anymore. Who knew the ballet is so brutal? I mean, ballerinas have surgeries like professional football players. It's just crazy. So, but she spent her childhood, her whole childhood, pursuing her passion. And, and my son, um, you know, me, being the, the dad with the answers, um, I tried to help my son in sports, you know, because it's what I knew. So um, I, I think we had him at T-ball. We, he played soccer. And, and, oh, we have some good soccer stories. And um, then eventually football. He was big for his age. And so he was. He went to tackle football the first year, and he's playing with kids that are two years older than him. And and uh, a lot happens from like eight to ten, you know. And he just got his clock playing the man. Put him in wrestling, and, and uh, I, I could tell that I was into it more than he was. And so he talked to his mom first, and she gave him sound advice. And he came to me, and he said. He, he had also already started guitar lessons and, and uh, could see this moment coming because back when, um, he's, he's not even three years old yet. He's trying to, he's running around the house, it's Phoenix, you know, so it's hot all the time, um, except for half an hour in December. And so he ties a scarf around his neck like a cape and he's running around in his underwear. and. and we got him this little um, guitar, not a real one, but a little play one. He would stand on the coffee table and just strum it for all he's worth. And, and he said, without anybody telling him this, I want to play rock and roll for Jeezy real loud. So if he ever cranks it up when he's here playing guitar, it's, it's a long time visit for him. So he came to me after talking to his mom, getting some good advice and said, I really want to apply myself full-time to music. And so I didn't force him into my idea of what he should be doing. Um, I let him pursue his passion. So he had guitar lessons. He took violin lessons. In junior high, he taught himself every other string instrument in the orchestra. Taught himself all the other ones. Um, when he was in high school, if whatever instrument they needed him to play in the band, he learned that. Came home one day with a mouthpiece for a saxophone. Taught himself how to play it, you know, trombone and the French horn. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know? So he, at one time, was proficient in 13 instruments. 
And then he was a vocal major for a while in college. I mean, it's just music it just oozes out of him, right? And so he was allowed to pursue his passion. And, and my daughter and my son, they worked at it, man. I mean, basically every day they were on it, improving their skills and, and increasing their knowledge and pursuing their passion. And it had a profound impact on the whole family. It had a profound impact on their upbringing, their childhood, and now their adulthood. Um, my daughter didn't grow up to be a ballerina. And my son didn't grow up to be a professional musician. He got to, he got to, to rub shoulders with a couple of professional musicians. And he told me one time on the phone, he said their eyes were dead. He goes, man, they make good music, but they're, they're dead inside. And, uh, and he said, I don't want that. And so then he figured out what to do with his life without becoming like that. Now, you don't have to be that way to be a professional musician, but, but that steered him in a different direction. So, what my children do know how to do, and what they learned by pursuing their passion as a child, was how to work hard and how to become who God created them to be. They both worked their tails off to pursue their passion in childhood. They both went on to do other things, but I'm telling you what, they need, they know how to get up and go to work in the morning, and they don't think anybody owes them anything, and they don't have their hand out because somebody who makes more than me owes me. They don't do that for an instant. They both supported themselves, they both found their own way, and they know what it is to be passionate and to do what it takes to improve in that area of passion. Not every child is created by God to gain worldwide attention. Our responsibility as parents is to help them see themselves for who they are. And they see themselves for who they are by discovering who God created them to be. And that's what we can give to our children as their father, as their parents. And it's our job to prepare our children for the glorious future. God has in mind for each and every one of us, including our children. Our future is glorious. So, this is the glue that holds a family together. A meaningful touch, a spoken message of love, placing a high value, and picturing a glorious future. So I want to end talking a little more about picturing a glorious future. And I want us to remember this. We have a Heavenly Father. We have a Heavenly Father. So, He is God this morning. God is our Heavenly Father. Because of who God is, we are not condemned to be nothing more than the result of our parents' worst moments. And, because God is our Heavenly Father, we have not condemned our children to be nothing more than our worst parenting moments. Oh, how we need to unload both of those things. So let's unload that today. There's a glorious future. God is greater than our worst moments. And fathers, men, God will enable you to rise up and become 
the man that your children need you to be. And I want to leave you with this one final verse. All the ingredients of our Heavenly Father's blessing are found in a single verse. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So, God the Father, he gave his Son to us Scripture also says, oh, we were yet sinners being sacrificed for our sins. What do you think God thinks of, he thinks of you? He loves you. He loves you. He sent his son Jesus to be sacrificed for you. You can know that you have a heavenly father that loves you perfectly, exhaustively, completely, without fail. He loves you. We have a heavenly father. And he loves you. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. He has gained for us eternal life. Our future is gloriously bright. Because we not only can know our Heavenly Father and walk with him by faith in Jesus today, but for the rest of our lives, we can be with him forever in heaven. That's the invitation. That's how much your Heavenly Father loves you. That's Dad. That's Dad. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can do that today. Come see me after the service. I won't call you out in front of everybody, but you need to do this. Don't let this moment pass. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you. <laughs> 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 